Do you want to know the future? I think we all have an interest in it. Often we think that we would like to know the right choices to make in light of what is to come, so we can make more money, avoid injury or illness, choose the right friends or spouse, and live long and prosper. Well, the future is something God controls, and He shares that knowledge rather sparingly, and usually not to our personal mortal advantage, but for our eternal benefit, and to prove He is in control of all our situations. Do you realize for Jesus in His first coming to fulfill just eight of the most likely prophecies, the probability is like taking the state of Texas, covering it two feet deep with silver dollars, specially mark one somewhere in the state, then so sending someone out into the state to be able to reach down and pick up that one silver dollar. Now, consider there are over 300 prophecies fulfilled for Jesus' first coming, and even more prophecies concerning his second coming. In 2 Peter, Peter references the eyewitness accounts, then mentions we have an even more sure word of prophecy. Wouldn't you like to know what we can expect? Hello, and welcome to God's Word for You for today from Liberty Lake Church. This is part four in the series called 1 Peter, Victorious Christian Living Through Suffering. We will be covering 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 12, and look at several other scriptures today, but we want to keep in mind the context, so take out your Bible and open it to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and follow along with Pastor Shane Fries as he looks at prophecy and what we can look forward to in the session titled, Our Hope is a Future Reality. Do I have to start over? Okay. Uh, so, I'm on the farm chewing my fingernails. Everybody caught up? All right. So my grandpa says that's a bad idea. And I'm like, okay, grandpa, that's cool. And the next time I see him, he brings me a microscope. Guess what he had in mind with the microscope? Now, I didn't bring you any pictures because it was really disgusting what I saw in the microscope that came from underneath my fingernails. It was an inspiring moment for me to clean my fingernails after that. And, and it really did help me to stop chewing them. Sometimes what we think we know or what we think we see, uh, we, we just can't see it very well, right? And, and there's times where we need somebody to help us get a better perspective of that truth. And I believe that that's what we're going to see Peter doing today as he takes us through this process of explaining the gospel to us. And he ends talking about pro, uh, pop, uh, pro, uh, prophecy. Peter does this. If you look in the text through verses in verses 2 through 12, he starts out at this very grand moment. Uh, and it's in 1 Peter 2, 9. He, he talks about, and, we, and we've talked about this, this idea that we were chosen by God according to his foreknowledge, that he set us apart for obedience, that we we're sprinkled by the blood. He then goes on to, to discuss this idea of us having an inheritance, a living hope. 
An inheritance which is imperishable, incorruptible, and unfading, that's kept in heaven for us, guarded by God through faith, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then he, and then he comes down from that grand view and he enters into in this discussion with the, with the, uh, the followers that he's addressing here with First Peter. He enters into their life struggles, where they're at in real life, that they're suffering, that they're experiencing persecution as a church. And he challenges and encourages them at that point to say, man, God's got a plan. Though you're being refined like gold, it's producing something precious. And God's in the process of doing that. And then as he comes out of verse 9, he goes back to, I believe, a very grand view. And he says this in uh, 1 Peter. We're going to pick up in verse 3 and follow along. But I want you to look for that. I want you to look for him starting out in this grand moment. And he enters into the life. And then he's going to end again in an exalted point of praise of who God is. In an amazing way. Follow with me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter says, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorruptible, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him, though you have not seen him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicated, indicating when he testified in advance to the messianic sufferings and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels desire to look into these things. Father, would you take your word this morning and would you apply it to our hearts and to our lives? Would you open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you are doing in the text? Give us a view as Peter intended through your spirit. For the believers of his day that were struggling and suffering and persecution, give us a view of that truth, that it would transform our hearts in how we live and how we worship you in our daily lives. In your name, amen. So did you see that? Did you see the rise of, of how he started out in a, in a glorious thing about our, our inheritance and the amazing aspect of our inheritance, the challenges that we experience in life? And then he ends with this thing on prophecy. Anybody, anybody excited about studying prophecy? Right? We, we love to study that. And, and yet, the truth is that we're probably a little bit inadequate at it. Uh, because we're studying things that were written many, many, many years ago. And there's some beautiful stuff. We're going to look at just a couple of brief... Actually, I'm only going to look at one prophecy. But I want to show you something. Or do we have, do we have that, that, that information ready? Okay, 
that's so there's a couple um, there there's a there's a few more um, it, okay so we're at 130 180 what 226 I, I'm this was intentional I was I was being honoring and I was trying to get them to scroll through with some dramatic music I was thinking like Star Wars type of stuff you know as they would just keep rolling as I was preaching um, there's 365 that we have, just, and that's just 365 of Messianic prophecies uh, out of the Old Testament. Now, that should cause us to be, wow. The thing that's interesting to me is that Peter doesn't specifically reference any prophecy. He doesn't go through and say, notice this one or notice that one. But he says, recognize that there were these prophets. There was, what, what does he say exactly? He says, they inquired into what time or what circumstance the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance about the messianic sufferings and the glories that would follow. Here are these prophets who were prophesying this, sorry, in verse 10, they searched and carefully investigated. They wanted to understand the truths that were being sent. So we're just going to take a brief look at one of those passages in Isaiah 52 through 53. I'm not going to have you read all of it because I believe I don't have time for all of it uh, because we have a, a several other passages to look at. But I want to do something with you this morning that I think will maybe highlight part of the suffering that was predicted for Christ. I'm just going to read through the key phrases in this prophecy from Isaiah 52, verse 13, through Isaiah 53. Just a few of the phrases or the terms that were used to describe the suffering servant that was coming. Referring to him, many were appalled at you. His appearance was so disfigured. He had no form or splendor, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected, a suffering man. He knew sickness. People turned away, despised, didn't value him. Bore our sickness, carried our pains, stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, pierced, crushed, punishment, wounded and punished again, oppressed and afflicted, slaughtered, taken away, cut off, struck. His grave was with the wicked at his death. The Lord was pleased to crush him, made him sick, caused him anguish. It says that he will see this reward, the, the reward that's promised out of his anguish. He submitted himself to death counted among the rebels, bore the sin of many. Was Jesus pro prophesied to suffer? Absolutely. What an amazing thing that that truth exists, and it exists so many years before Christ showed up. And, and here Peter is pointing his followers back to these truths back to the scripture to say you recognize who this is right you recognize who we're following right it's not just a good man 
It wasn't just somebody that came and did something good for you, but this was the prophesied Messiah. This is the Christ who we have been waiting for and anticipating, and many people have been searching to understand and to know when he showed up. I apologize, I just realized that I left off uh, one, of your, one of your lines in your bulletin, because it's part of what we're going to look at, uh, prophesied about the grace that would come. We're going to look at this, great, this idea of grace that's going to come as well. Uh, another reference that we're not going to look at today, but Daniel 7 is another one of the prophecies uh, that, that you want to write, uh, write down and maybe read later today. But look at what Jesus says in Matthew 24. We're not going to look at a bunch of prophecy today. I, just, I, I believe that part of what Peter wants his readers to do, and therefore us, is to, to, to recognize that our eyes are up. They're, they're going back to a supernatural God who did things outside of time and in a way that we as humans, as we read Scripture, that it would give us great hope as we trust in God and what He's doing. In Matthew 24, verse 30, Jesus says this, The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the people of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels, whoo, that was close, send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end, uh, uh, from one end of the sky to the other. Now what's Jesus referencing? He's referencing the second coming of Christ. He hadn't left yet. Can you imagine his disciples hearing him talk about this? Take just a second. Imagine that his disciples are sitting there listening to him teach, and he's talking about a second coming. Do you think they were confused at all? We read in the passage, this uh, actually in our Wednesday class, Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11. Write that down. You're going to want to go back and read it later. Because at, at the, this point, the guys are watching the Lord ascend into the clouds, and they're all stuck with their draws on the ground, watching, it, the, watching the sky because he's gone. And angels show back up, and they're like, uh, Hey, boys, you were given instructions. What are you doing? He's coming back. Go get to work. Here... Jesus, before his death, he's prophesying that he's going to come back in the clouds in his second coming. And then he leaves in the clouds and it blows the minds of his, of his disciples. I hope that as we consider prophecy that it challenges our view of what we believe in who God is. I, I think there's times where I look at this stuff and I'm like, man, that is really, really cool. But God, are you sure you can handle... Are you sure that this situation in my life is, is really okay? Is this really going to work out? Because it seems pretty big to me. And it's happening right now. Here Peter's pointing, his, pointing the disciples at that time, the followers of Christ, back to a God that did his stuff with prophecy. Hundreds of years prior to Jesus showing up. It's written about who he's going to be and how he's going to suffer. And they just watched him do it. How meaningful this must be for a disciple who watched Christ crucified to be reminded to look back into the prophecies of the Old Testament about what was going to happen to the Messiah. We don't end there. 
He says not only the, the suffering of the, the Messiah, but also the glories that would follow. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 23. I love how Paul paints the picture here for us. Ephesians chapter 1, 20 through 23. He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at, the, at his right hand in the heavens far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put everything under his feet, appointing him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. God fulfilled the promise we see here from Paul that here Christ is established as the right hand of the Father and he's given headship over the church and he is in the position of, of power and authority and dominion and, and over everything. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. He is outside of time existing at the right hand of God. Now, how would that be encouraging to the disciples at that point in time? How would that be encouraging to them? as they're being driven from their homes and persecuted for following Christ. I think that if we really see this, if we see the, the function of prophecy, it would help us to understand that God's not restricted by time, and therefore, he's not, in a, he's not caught off guard by this. It's not an emergency for him, although many times it is for me. He's got it. We can trust him with this. He's actually been at, at this for quite a while, and he knows what's happening in and around our lives as well as he did the Messiah's life. We can trust him with this truth. We can trust him with our current circumstances. Our salvation is secure. I thought it was very interesting, though, that Peter references this idea that the, the prophets realized they weren't serving themselves, that the gospel wasn't for that immediate moment. Look in Luke chapter 22. I think it's an amazing truth in, as we consider the gospel that it's never self-serving. Isn't that amazing? I, I don't know if, if you guys have experienced this concept of serving other people. Um, but there's a great benefit to that. One of the greatest joys that we had, my bride and I, doing uh, missions trips was watching kids come back and realize how incredibly valuable the service of other people it was for their own lives. Uh, in, fa in fact, one of, the, one of the great trips, it wasn't to Mexico, we went down to um, the Portland Rescue Mission, and uh, we were serving tables there. And this is one of the guys threw up on the table. And our whole, all the youth group scattered. That wasn't their desired response. I, I was, I, I'm thinking, all right, somebody's going to jump in and serve. You know who had to go wipe it up? But I realized at that moment, part of the reason was because they hadn't watched me serve. I mean, they watched me as a youth pastor, but they, they didn't see me serving in the sense of doing something that nobody else wanted to do. And when we finished that process, uh, by the time we were done, it was unbelievable. There was two other opportunities for that kind of service before the end of that meal. 
I don't ever remember that being that messy at dinner. But before we were done, there were students involved in cleaning up the mess. How did that happen? Because they were watching other people serve. It was part of the process of learning to serve one another and learning to serve. When we come to the process of the gospel, I believe that we have to be very careful not to get caught up in the idea that Jesus came to save me. He did. I'm not saying he didn't. But it's bigger than that. The gospel is not just about my salvation. It is about the glorification of God, the execution of his plan, and the beauty of his church as we learn to live and die together as a body and shine the light of Christ to the entire community around us. Because nobody else lives selflessly, typically, when it's uncomfortable. When it's comfortable, we can live selflessly. I think that it, I'm amazed at how how much work the our, our, our society puts at living moral lives with rejecting the Bible. They don't want to acknowledge that it's value in it. We should be nice to people, right? Okay. I'm just checking. We should be nice. That's a safe one to answer. Amen. Thank you. Okay. I know... I know, I, I know we're a northern American church, way up north, and it's we're we're used to being quiet. But you can agree with me when it's safe to agree with me. I'm going to try and give us a few of them where it's okay to say amen or uh, you agree. But it is good to be nice to people. It's right. It's God's plan. But look at what Jesus says about how we are to treat one another in Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. And I think this goes, it ties in handily with the fact that here the, the, the prophets were wrestling with, God, when are you doing this? And at some point as they were given their prophecy, they had to surrender the idea that this wasn't for their nation. Can you imagine being the prophet at that time? Well, Israel is suffering and being drug around in persecution and disobedience to come with the word of the Lord and prophesy, there's a coming Messiah. We're going to be redeemed. There's an eternal kingdom coming. There's great joy coming. There's hope coming. But not for us today. Do do you see the challenge in that? I think that would be a very difficult thing to realize as one of the prophets to, to understand that this is something that's coming later. But it's still going to be a great thing. Look at what Jesus says about the idea of service in Luke 22. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles dominate them. Those who have authority over them are called benefactors, but it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you must become like the youngest and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is who is greater? The one at the table or the one serving? The one at the table. Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Here's the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We know in the Gospel of John it says that he was involved in creation. Here he comes as the one who serves. And he's challenging his disciples, which is amazing. If you go through the book of Mark, Every time Jesus refers to the messianic suffering that's coming, the promise of his death on the cross, that he's going to have to die, every time he prophesies that for his disciples, they argue about who's going to be the greatest. Any irony there? I think so. 
I believe that it is very, very important for you and for me to not get lost in the idea that salvation somehow is focused only or primarily on me. God did not save me just for me. I believe that salvation is about us living out and magnifying the glory of who He is. And our salvation is the first step. It's the beginning process of what He's going to do with us for the rest of our lives here and for the rest of eternity. I believe that this also points to a future reality. First Peter 1, 4-5, we read that this morning. Did you, did you catch that? I love this. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorruptible, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last times. Peter is reminding his believers that there's something coming that's grander than the momentary suffering that they're in. Keeping their eyes on Christ results in a hope, a living hope, that is based on our inheritance. That's coming. Don't we get discouraged with momentary distractions? I have to confess another bad attitude. And I, I hope you guys don't dis get d discouraged with me. But I drive a car. Nope. I drive my truck with a trailer yesterday. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this. But there is some code in the world, if you drive a four-cylinder car and you see a truck with a trailer coming, you have to be in front of them. Are you guys aware of that? Not aware of it, but I ran into, I didn't run into them. <laughs> I was pretty close. <laughs> I found myself relatively uh, tudinal challenged yesterday. So as I was anchoring the brakes to stop for this clown that pulled out into the 60 mile an hour zone. By the time I got to him, he was still only doing 40 miles an hour up a slight incline and I'm pulling a truck with a trailer. So I did not give him as much room as I would have if I was driving a vehicle without a trailer because I didn't really want to lose my momentum going up the hill, right? Please tell me somebody in here can agree with me on that one. Thank you. And so as I'm rolling up to him and the speedometer on my, my truck, it's, continue, it's going down and I'm, I'm now at 50, I'm beginning to lose my heart for this whole situation. And is it past 45? Somewhere in that process, my bride says, uh, Sh Shane, do you know why she said Shane? Because of how well he could see our faces in his mirror at that point. Now, I have to tell you, the gospel impacts that moment, right? Because if my eyes are not off of my earthly situation, I could lose my temper and pass him abruptly at the next legal passing zone, which happened. And it was shortly after that 
that the gospel really impacted my life. Because then I'm going, man, how am I going to preach about keeping our eyes on Jesus and not letting the issues of life overwhelm us to where we do something stupid? I passed a four-cylinder little car with a car and a trailer just to make a point. When we think about our future hope, when we think about this future reality of where we're going to live, does shouldn't it change how we deal with our momentary distractions, the momentary frustrations, those spots where, where you don't expect it, somebody surprises you with something and, and whatever it is inside of us boils up into a rage? That should affect that moment. And in my heart, I confessed it because I, I knew I wasn't. I knew I was wrong. I was angry. He made me slow down. Cost me a dollar and a half in fuel to set everything straight. Man, you know what I love about you guys? I know that at least half of you are as guilty as I am. And I appreciate that. Because being honest really helps me deal with this. I know at some point in time when I'm dealing with this, I, I was literally, as I'm driving and I'm straightening out my car and we're thinking about all of the ramifications of this, I went, I have to share this tomorrow. Doggone it. I almost made it a whole week without an illustration on myself. <laughs> and that comes to our fourth point is that for the prophets and the angels desired to look into these things, uh, which I think is amazing. Uh, Matthew 13, 16 and 17. What a, what a joyous thing that we have having the word of God. But look at, look at what this says, Matthew 13, 16 and 17. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, but your eyes are blessed because they do see and you're, ears because they do hear for i assure you many prophets and righteous people long to see the things that you see yet didn't see them to hear the things that you hear yet didn't hear them brothers and sisters we have such a privilege and a joy to have the word of god we get to study and learn we get to go and see how it's fulfilled what an amazing thing that we have in the text And so with that joy comes the conviction then also, so why doesn't it change my life more? God, I, I want to live more like this. I, I want to follow you more. I want to have this future reality affect how I live, how I deal with distraction, how I deal with frustration, how I deal with other people on the road. I want all of that to come in line with this. And I think it's amazing that there's more than just the people around me watching. Have you guys, have we ever wrestled with this truth? At any point, did you guys' mom ever tell you, you know, Jesus is watching you? Anybody else have a good mom? Right? We've all, have you heard that? Do you believe it? No, 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 no. Not, not an acknowledgement of, oh yeah, that's that's been set. Do you believe it? So at night, when you're alone and in the dark, and you have opportunities to say or think or do things that don't honor God. Do you believe that Jesus is right there watching you? Do we believe it? I know we agree with it intellectually. 
But do we believe it? Does it change how I deal with those temptations and those distractions? Does it change how I drive? Do I believe that Jesus is watching? Look at, look at what Hebrews says, Hebrews 13. 1 through 7, we're going to read a couple verses here. I just love this text. The author of Hebrews says this in uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember the prisoner as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated as though you yourself were suffering bodily. Marriage must be respected by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled, because God will judge immoral people and adulterers. Your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. In verse 16 and 17. Don't neglect to do good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them. I did that wrong. 14 through 16. I didn't want that one. 14 through 16. For here, we do not have an enduring city. Instead, we seek the one to come. We seek Christ. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that we confess his name. Don't neglect to do good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Did you see some of that? Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels. We're supposed to care for one another, brotherly love. People are watching my life to see what the outcome is, to see if what I say is actually what I live. You know what I love about that term, um, the, this idea of being a leader I have that responsibility with my boys at home. I have that responsibility with my neighbors. You guys know I have a neighbor that I love dearly. The one that keeps reporting me for things. My campfires aren't quite legal, I guess. And I've even downsized them to where they're smaller than four feet in diameter. kind of a country boy when it comes to that whole stuff. I like fire. How do I live next to him like Christ? Does the truth of the gospel, does this, does this truth of my salvation, this future reality, this, this hope that comes because God's not constrained in this life, but before the beginning of time, he established my hope. He called me. He chose me. He established this, this truth of who Christ is and who I am. And through prophecy, he has revealed it to us in a way that we couldn't have done on our own. No man can do this. It was only a God outside of time that established all of these things. And he set all of this in place. And he reminds us that there are people watching. Do you believe that Jesus is with us, that God is with us at all times, that he's watching everything that we do? 
I think we should evaluate our definition of belief. Because if we say we believe something, but it doesn't affect how we live, I would, I would challenge us to say that we don't actually believe it. I would encourage us to consider the fact that maybe we have intellectually deceived ourselves. And we've exchanged the definition of what belief means for some other worldly definition of belief. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have since we also have such a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that laid before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Did you see that? It's for the joy that he that was laid before him. It was because of the promise that God had given him. That in his obedience, as he fulfilled his role as the Messiah, that he would enter into this, this future joy. And the amazing part to me, one of the great mysteries to me, is that somehow you and I are part of that joy for him. As his body, as his children, that we somehow are part of that. So what? What does this mean? What, what do we do with this? And by the way, I, I just I was wrestling through this the other day and I realized, oh my goodness, we're just getting to the end of the introduction. Did you guys notice that? We're just getting to the end of the introduction of 1 Peter. Uh, next week, he actually starts telling us what we should be doing. This was just, hey, you guys, don't forget who you are and who God was this last month. So what? No, now what do we do? I don't know if you guys, the whole aspect of that the angels desire to look into this, um, I'm amazed because as I went through the references trying to find cross-references for that, it's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. I couldn't find any other reference that, had, that says the angels desire to look into these things. Here's Peter encouraging believers who are struggling and suffering in their faith, and he walks them through the gospel, and he ends with, and by the way, the angels desire to look into this. Huh? What a spectacular thing. What God is doing in you and in me, through Christ, is on display for all creation. Even the angels are watching to see what happens in this process. Do you see your salvation that way? Do you see your relationship with God like that? Do we really understand that when Peter's introducing the gospel to us, that it's with a God designed by a God who lives outside of time, who created all of this, that he's the one that's orchestrated and crafted this for you and for me? Do you believe that? Because Peter's going to start telling us how we should live based on that. Verse 13 starts out with, Therefore, What's the therefore? Therefore, what came before? Therefore, because of all of this truth, your life will be able to be lived this way. It should be affected this way. Our challenge, I believe, this week is to say, okay, God, so what? You know what I did? That's really, really funny. For some reason, I thought that the 11 was the minute hand and what... So I was wondering why I still had five minutes for like ten minutes. <laughs> How is that working? 
wow. What do we do with this truth? I think we need to really wrestle with this. Our lives should be measured by whether or not we live the way we say we live, what we believe. If we are children of God, then this gospel changes how we deal with life. It changes how you and I deal with one another. I promise you I will offend somebody before the end of our time is done as a body. I, I'm a goofball. Went to dinner with some friends last night, and before we were served dinner, uh, we got into a discussion about vegetables, and I let her know. Uh, well, these are a couple of vegetables I don't like. Guess what she was serving? <laughs> I'm an idiot. You don't mention things you don't like before you... when we hurt when we make mistakes do you do we believe this do we live this way peter's introduction was don't forget who you are because of who god was even though life stinks let that truth permeate how we live how we love how we do conflict how we do marriage how we do everything it can change how we reflect the glory of God. There's nothing more beautiful than when a believer does what Christ would do when all of their circumstances say, you shouldn't behave that way. What an amazing testimony. All that we would be that way with our community here in Liberty Lake. That that would be the reputation of our church. These people don't behave like they like I expected a Christian to behave. There's something different. All that that would be who we are. And I believe that the gospel, the truth of this gospel that Peter gives us should set that goal. Let me close this in prayer. I'm going to have to apologize to Joy. She's going to kill me. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your long-suffering. And thank you for challenging us to live that way. May you be glorified in your church today as we worship and celebrate you. God, give us a view for prophecy. Help us, to, help us to be in awe of how you worked outside of time to establish for us inside of time a truth that casts for us a hope and a reality that exists again beyond and outside of time. Help us to draw that perspective in our hearts in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message from Liberty Lake Church in Liberty Lake, Washington. Our pastor, our elders, and our prayer watch team are available to pray with you or to answer any questions you may have. Contact us through www.LibertyLakeChurch.com or follow us on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you and welcome any comments you may have. As always, we appreciate your prayer support. Join us next week on God's Word for You for Today for another message from Liberty Lake Church. Thank you again, and God bless.